are listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. This episode of Rootbound is sponsored by Apple. Does that mean we're getting sponsored by Apple? I think I'm going to need actual money now. What's that? Oh, I missed the S. Apples. This episode is brought to you by Apples, the fruit you give to teachers. Greetings, listeners. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Rootbound. I'm your host, Steve. Rootbound is the podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside, and on each week, I invite a guest who shares with me about a plant that means something to them. Then I share with guests about a plant that means something to me, and through this process, we all learn more about plants and learn more about each other. Now, before we get to our guest today, I just want to do a little vocabulary. We haven't done vocabulary for a while, and there's one word that is mentioned by our guest today that I didn't know, and we talk about it a little bit, but I wanted to learn about it a little bit more, so I want you to have what I learned as well. So that word is caudex, that's spelled C-A-U-D-E-X. And a caudex is kind of like a stem. It is a stem, but it's a special kind of stem. It's often the woody stem of an herbaceous plant. So, you know, herbaceous plants are are ones that don't get woody branches and stuff, but sometimes plants have a woody stem kind of at the base of the plant that the uh, more herbaceous parts grow from. Um, Really good examples of this are our palm trees have a caudex. It's that base of a palm uh, that is kind of thick, um, and it's not really wood, you know, because it's not like a real tree, but it's thick and sturdy. Um, and there's other examples of plants that have caudexes, but they're not something that we see every day, and so I think that's why I didn't know that word. And as you'll hear from our guest very shortly, the plant that she will talk about has a caudex, but I don't think it's one that you've heard of. Well, now that I have such an incredible vocabulary, discussing things is my strong point. Hi, Alyssa. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Rootbound. Thanks for having me. Do you have a plant to share with us today? I do. It's a Dioscorea elephantypes. And okay, I'm actually... so bef- <laughs> before you get... <laughs> no idea if I'm saying that right. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fine. That We have a theme of uh, mispronouncing Latin names on the show. Now, uh, you told me what plant you're going to choose. I had never heard of it. I didn't Google it on purpose, but I'm going to guess it's a succulent. Yes, but it's <laughs> it's one of a, a codex variety. Okay, so it's for, for the for the audio. Oh, oh, interesting. So the audience that may not know, uh, I, I if you heard the episode a few episodes ago, I discovered Alyssa's. I think maybe the quintessential article on the popular popularity of succulents in the modern era. So definitely look that up. Yes, please. It's on the ringer.com. I'll plug myself a little bit. Very good. Very good. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, tell me about this plant. Uh, say, can you say the name again? Dioscorea elephantypes. Dioscorea elephantypes, or maybe elephantipes. Is that how it's spelled? T i teeps. Okay. Uh, I can spell it for you. I don't know. No, it's all right. It's all right. The audience can look at it on the show notes. <laughs> It'll probably be in the title of the episode. I just, I've never heard of it before. Tell me about this plant. Why is it meaningful to you? Okay, so. A few years ago, when I was getting into growing plants from seed, uh, part of the reason I got so into plants was that article you mentioned. I was 
Like I would say just like dabbling. I had like a like a very common like echiaveria or something here and there. <laughs> um but I like hadn't really gone full plant freak and uh I ended up uh sort of deciding I was going to start um growing plants from seed and I fi- found a guy in Serbia who would provide the seed. And one of his offerings was this plant and it's a South African plant. It looks like it's something out of Super Mario game because the codex grows above soil and it looks as if it's like a made of a, it's like a wooden tortoise, like a a tortoise shell carved from wood. Um, and I'm trying it, to Google it now. Yeah, please. <laughs> I, I want to hear like your exclamation when you see it, because it's truly like out of this world. Um, and Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Oh, my gosh. Like it looks. Yeah. You just exactly what you said. It looks like there's a turtle buried in a pot. Yeah. And it's like it's it's something out of like a Super Mario game or like a species of Pokemon. Like it just blew my mind that this thing existed. I couldn't believe it. And it vines. It like it it seasonally decides to vine and just grows wherever. It's a South African plant. I think I mentioned that. Yeah. Anyway, um, and it can get its codex like this shell, the tortoise shell, tortoise shell basically can get up to i think 10 feet a diameter of 10 feet um and it could the vining can grow to three feet so that was just really impressive to me i just thought like this plant is very special and i was told that it was very hard to grow from seed and i think i got like about like seven success no no like five successful plants and like over the years i've killed um three of them so i have okay. two left <laughs> okay that, that's still pretty impressive um so before we get maybe into your story about this one more you keep saying the word co- codex what is that word that you're saying about the the name for that tortoise looking thing oh yeah it's like um it's just a form you know like a lot of cacti and succulents have um very ingenious ways of storing water uh-huh um or just like you know not getting dehydrated whether it's like hair for sunscreen or like a waxy film on the top. And in this case, that's just how it stores a lot of its water. Um, Yeah. And it's in the family of uh, the monocot yam. So, so fascinating. Okay. I'm going to break down a few things like that. First of all, the word codex, how do you spell that? I don't, I don't think I've seen that word before. C-A-U-D-E-X. Okay. Interesting. And then it's monocot yam. So is I know the word monocot, which it's like grasses or monocots. Is it, it, do you know that word monocot? Truly no. I just okay. like, <laughs> I was doing some Googling before this episode. <laughs> A little reminder for the audience and maybe for you. Um, there's kind of, well, it's, there's, t- well, there's two kind of classifications of plants when it comes to how the seeds are. A dicot, which is, I think, mostly what we're familiar with is when the, the sprout comes out of the seed, it has two little leaves, right? Like a pea plant or whatever. And then a monocot is like a grass. It's just one. It doesn't split into two. Um, oh, so interesting. Like palm trees do that too. Uh, corn is like that. Corn is a monocot. Do you remember when it sprouted, if it was just like one little thing or was it? I think it was one little thing. Wow. That makes sense if it's a monocot. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's super. Fa- I would not have expected that. This is. How do you. <laughs> I'm like almost 40. How did I go this long without ever hearing of this really cool plant? 
This is exactly what I was thinking when I found it. I was just like, what the hell? Like this, like, I don't know. Nature has a way of, uh, I think, astounding and delighting us like well into our our lives. So this was just one of those moments for me. (laughs) Indeed. It definitely seems like it's related to Bulbasaur. You're totally right about the Pokemon. (laughs) And then the part that's so surprising too is because you said it's, you know, it is a succulent, which it means it stores a lot of water, right? But it, the leaves don't look like succulent leaves normally. Like, you know, those are like those fleshy leaves, like a jade plant or, or you know, they look kind of just like a vine, of, at least for what I'm seeing. They just kind of look like, I don't know, like viney leaves. Yeah, it's just a waxy viney leaf. And that's why it, I mean, that's sort of more um, common among the like a codex variety of succulent. Um, you'll see this with like a desert rose plant, which is a lot more common of a codex. Um, they have really beautiful pink flowers. Um, but uh, a lot of people just think of them like when they see these types of plants, I think they don't, it's not often in the form of like this thing that looks like a tortoise shell. So it just looks like a tree trunk. And I think that's why people don't know about codexes. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Audience, definitely Google this right now if you're on a phone because it's hard to describe really. And I think getting the visual will help help a lot. So um, maybe let's get back to your, your your story of it a little bit more. Like, yeah, um, how did the growing go? How long did it take? How big are the ones that you have left? Um, yeah, so the growing was, like, pretty complicated. Like, it's very it, – to me, <laughs> it just, like, underlined how difficult it is, like, how unlikely and one of a million it is to, for a seed like this to, like, succeed in the wild. Um, because it's like you really have to keep it in like a very specific um, frame of temperature. And it, you know, it was spring when I was doing this. So that's when you're supposed to do it, really. But yeah, like the growing itself was good. But then it was just more like they are very fussy little plants. Like one thing I didn't know is that they, I was sort of learning as I was going along. And I remember reading this online and being like, that's weird. Cause every, usually plant instructions are so straightforward, but someone said something like this plant hibernates more than once a year. And you just got to see like what it's doing and like water it accordingly. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, this is insane. Um, and like, apparently like there's, there's not much explanation for why they do this. Like why they go into like a latent period, even two plants in the same pot can go dormant at many different times. Oh, wow. Um, So sleepy. I know. (laughs) It is. It's pretty adorable. So I I think I just messed a couple up because of that. And, you know, I'm based in LA, so we get really hot summers. And I think my instinct was to water them during that time to like keep them alive. But they only grow in the winter. They're winter growers and sometimes in the spring. And so I think there were times when they were in their lane period and I was watering them and they didn't like that. Or I was on vacation and didn't uh, like, couldn't save them from a heat wave in LA. Um, but the ones that I have still are doing great. And I would say the codex is about, I want to say like four or five inches. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and that like one is like vining everywhere. They're really adorable heart-shaped leaves. Um, and the other one's doing pretty good too. I'm like very proud of them, but they're like they're still young, so they don't have the actual sort of like pronounced like square um 
sort of like like tortoise-like texture on their oh, codexes. Uh, and I can't wait for that to happen. That's going to be cool. So they start to like split more. So it's just kind of more of a smooth half dome. Yeah, know? exactly. It's I it's see. round and it's like you're slow, like as it gets bigger, you're slowly bringing it above ground. Like it, it needs to be sort of like hidden from the sun at first. Again, oh, wow. they're so finicky. <laughs> they're really the cats of the plant world. <laughs> <laughs> There's a cat in the background that looks... Just like a little codex, actually, from my <laughs> yeah, view. Yeah. That's her nickname, actually. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, very, very amazing. I would love, it probably seems incredibly difficult because I guess they grow very slowly, but I would love to see like a long-term time lapse of one of these things like coming out of the soil. That would be Oh amazing. my gosh. I, Someone yeah. told David Attenborough. <laughs> totally. Like that could be his like <laughs> final life's work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, years and years. Wow. That is so cool. Uh, so, so... Let's get back a little bit more. Tell me about how you chose this plant. You have a Serbian plant dealer who... <laughs> well, I wouldn't say he's a dealer. I found him on Etsy, but he's yeah. really, he knows his stuff and he yeah. gave, he gives great instructions and he specializes in like cool succulents and cacti. I see. And, and so like, did he just have this on a list and you saw it and you're like, I have to grow that? Or how did you know about it beforehand? Yeah. I mean, it's very hard to tell, like to tell you what was going on in my mind at that period in time, because I, you know, <laughs> like many people, I was kind of spiraling in my own special way. Um, but I would say like, yeah, it probably was either on his list or I, um, I'm based here in LA and one of my favorite stores here is, um, the cactus store. It's run by this, um, just collective of artists really and that they, they um sell cool rare cacti and succulents on their oh, website wow. cool. um yeah and they i think they may have had that one on there too i think that's when i learned it was like in the family of a yam and so yeah like i i got those seeds and i was just like i'm gonna go for it so it's like one of many but i think it was just like the one that i was i was most taken with <laughs> yeah yeah that's so cool I, I, you know, I, uh, I, though I have a podcast about plants, I've done very little, like, particularly indoor plants and very, like the stuff I do from seeds is like your normal garden stuff. I do a lot of outdoor gardening, but I've never really like taken the dive into like trying to grow indoor plants from seed, particularly uh, in these slow growing ones like succulents. Seems like kind of a fun challenge. It really is like, a, okay, we're like, we're in it for life now <laughs> because it, it just takes so long like again it made me really appreciate when you see like a large cacti in the wild like that's years and years and yeah. years of growth um and that's like years and years and years of surviving like all the elements and like all the things that could go wrong so it, it if any like it's not something i do now that i'm like back in the world and i have a busy job and all that but um it's it's a thing that really helped me appreciate plants as less as consumable entities and more as like things that we should like that need a whole ecosystem to support them and like that we can't just expect that they're going to grow on their own. <laughs> I think that's very well said. Um, did I, did we miss any fun facts or dazzling details about uh, the Dioscorea elephant type? <laughs> okay, I have just one more weird one. Okay, oh, great, great, great. I love these. <laughs> so a long time ago, it was like nearly eradicated in the wild because it was a source of like a certain kind of a certain kind of like steroid steroid or something like that that that's used to synthesize cortisone and birth control pills. Whoa. Yeah. 
But it was really hard to remove the plants from their habitat because they're just like kind of low with the ground and stuff. And so uh-huh. eventually people found like a cheaper, more viable source for those things. And um, they stopped collecting them in the wild. Bulbasaur. This village is well protected with Bulbasaur here. Well, well thank you for sharing about uh, Dioscoria. Dio- I'm going to look at it before I say it. Thank you for sharing about Dios, Dioscoria elephantipes with me. Do you mind if I share about a plant with you? Please, I would love to hear. Okay, so I, I'm trying to like, you know, stay on a, a, a succulent theme here, but the problem is I don't have a lot of experience with succulents. So this is a little bit more of a, a plant that is um, more aspirational, I guess you say. I have a little experience with this plant, and I think most people do, even though they don't know it. Um, and it comes... I first heard about this plant when I first started just thinking about the idea of like, well, what plants can you just eat that are out there, right? And this was years before I even tried it. This was years and years ago. I was just like, found an article about edible weeds and like, oh, that sounds cool. And the first thing you always hear about is dandelion, which I talked about in episode two of the podcast. Super edible. I love it. I eat it all the time. But inevitably, the one that always comes up on all those, all those lists as well is one that's called purslane. Have you heard of purslane? No. What's that? P-U-R-S-L-A-N-E. Um, and this is a very common weed. I don't know if I ever, I used to live in California too. I don't know if I've ever seen it in California, but it's definitely all over here in Virginia. It's been, I've seen it all over the place. It's one of those weeds that is really spread around the globe. Um, but what I think is interesting about it is it's, it's a succulent weed. So the leaves look like they're not quite as, as like plushy as some of the ones you see on maybe Instagram, but it, they do have those kind of thick, waxy, you know, leaves. And it is a succulent, but it, it lives in basically all environments, which I think is super fascinating. And it is edible um, and has been eaten, uh, I think, you know, in, in like North Africa and Europe and actually all over the world. I think it's, it has a long history of being eaten. What When it got introduced to, to this uh, continent is unclear, or maybe there's a similar plant that was even here, you know, before... Uh, colonization is a little bit unclear, but it's got a really long history of, of being eaten. And and it's one of those things that most people just have never heard of it, even though it's this very common edible weed called purple. Have you eaten it? I've only sampled it a couple times because every time I find it, it's like on the edge of a road. And I like feel like I don't really want to eat it because it's like, I don't know, covered in car soot or something. So Yeah, it's like a weed. So it's just like in, in the dirty places. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so like I have tons of dandelion in my yard. So now I like gather dandelion every year. And that's really fun. But my goal will be, I think, after this conversation, the next time, you know, in the spring to try to go find some that's not in a like dirty place to really try it. Because it's supposed to be pretty tasty. It's supposed to be a little sour. Oh, cool. um, you can have it fresh, but you can also make cook it as a pot herb. Um, and it's supposed to be, supposed to be uh, getting into maybe some of the fun facts and dazzling details. It's supposed to be quite healthy. It's really full of lots of vitamins and, and minerals, including it's a very good source of omega-3 fatty acids, which is pretty fascinating. Wow. Yeah. Always There's, looking for more of those in my life. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I found an article on uh, uh, from uh, NIH that is about, it's called Common Perslane, a source of omega-3 fatty acids. Uh, by, uh, actually, I don't have the name of the author, but I'll put it in the show notes. Um, so that's super fascinating. Uh, its water content is up to over 90%. The leaves are over 90% huh. water. So, like, very, that's what the succulents do, just keep that water, which is really cool. Um, maybe going back a little bit to 
one of my favorite things about plants is thinking about their names and like why they're called what they're called. Um, and this one's a little bit curious. I, I didn't quite get to why it's called Purslane. Its Latin name is Portulaca oleracea. So Portulaca is the genus, oleracea is the, is the uh, species. Oleracea means vegetal or herbal, and lots of the edible version of something in a genus has been given that name. So I can't think of examples, but that's so it's because it's the edible Portulaca. Okay. The Portulaca, which I think somehow morphed into Purslane in English, I think they're related. I found a quote on a, a really great site. I don't know how I've never heard of, heard of this site before. It's the Weed Society of America, WSSA.net, <laughs> which is I mean, not what you might think it is. It's literally about weeds. Count on uh, plants, plant people to just have a society for every version of a plant. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a quote they have in this article about personal, which is a really nice one. I'll link in the show notes too, that says, quote, the Roman scholar Pliny the Elder used Portulaca to designate common purslane. Um, and eventually Linnaeus used it as the name of the genus. But I, I think I missed one part. Basically, he called it Portulaca, apparently because of the purgative quality of some plants in the genus. And I think oh. I saw portulaca in, in Latin means little door. So maybe it's like a plant that makes you open your, your mouth, I guess. That's just makes an you open your little door. Little door and, and things come out, I guess. And that is totally an assumption. I don't know if that's true. And how it became purslane, I could not really find. There, 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 there's some saying it's related to porcelain, but I, I don't get that either. So unclear on, on, the, on the name. Um, but yes, it's been around for a long time and been called this for a very long time. Uh, fascinating yeah super cool uh, another really interesting fact is that and this is why i think it's such a successful weed is for a number of reasons one i'll get to the end which i think is the most fascinating fact but this says the seed survival can be up to 19 years in in dry storage or 40 years of buried in soil soil okay so those seeds can stick around a long time man and, that's fascinating that definitely probably contributes to its longevity uh, indeed, indeed, and so if like the seeds get somewhere, they're gonna they're gonna eventually you know germinate, and you'll have more plants there. So that's why I think it's such a common weed. Um, and then before I get to my last dazzling detail, which I think is the most dazzling detail, there's one other thing. Is there's a really awesome website I've said a few times on the show before, but I uh, definitely check it out. It's uh, it's called eattheweeds.com, and it's run by this guy named Green Dean, and he has also a series of videos, and he's just just awesome kind of quirky guy. He's just really into eating weeds. And I've been very inspired by him. A lot of my earlier episodes are about eating weeds. Um, I'm kind of running out of the weeds that I've eaten. So I'm getting to the weeds <laughs> that I haven't eaten yet now <laughs> uh, for the podcast. Um, but on his article about purslane, he has a quote that is from uh, Thoreau that he wrote while at Walden Pond. And this is the Thoreau quote about purslane. It says, I learned from my two years experience that it would cost incredibly little trouble to obtain one's necessary food, even in this latitude that a man may use a simple diet as the animals and yet retain health and strength. I have made a satisfactory dinner simply off a dish of purslane, which I gathered in my cornfield, boiled and salted. Yet men have come to such a pass that they frequently starve, not for want of necessaries, but for want of luxuries. Wow, deep. Yeah. Yes, indeed. indeed. So Person really just had some like legend making happening there. <laughs> indeed. So, and and now we come to to my final dazzling detail. And this is when I first was researching it. This this fact popped up, which was really blew my mind. But it wouldn't have blown my mind at the beginning of of when I started 
making this podcast because I didn't really know what these two terms meant. But so I'm going to I'm going to explain it and then I will give a refresher to you and to the listeners for these two vocabulary words. So purslane is a plant that can perform both C4 and CAM photosynthesis, which is amazing once I explain what that means. <laughs> yes, please do. Please do. Because <laughs> I'm just sitting so, here blank faced. <laughs> so I did talk about both of these in the beginning. I forget which episodes. I've talked about C4 and then I talked about CAM at the beginning of two different episodes uh, some time back. Um, but as a refresher, most plants, when they do normal photosynthesis, most plants are C3 photosynthesis. And I forget, it has to do with certain carbon numbers. But essentially, all most plants are C3. And C3 is a great way of converting carbon into stuff, right? Plants are really good at fixing carbon from the atmosphere. But C3 photosynthesis has a little bit of, you could argue is a, is a bit of a bug in that sometimes it's able to capture a oxygen molecule instead of a CO2 molecule. I think it's, or maybe nitrogen, I forget. And then basically it runs through the process, but because it didn't grab a CO2, it can't actually do what it was supposed to do. So it's a wasted cycle, essentially, oh, because geez. of the way that, so and most plants have that, but fortunately, there's plenty of carbon dioxide, and most of the time, it's not a problem. And so most plants are, C, uh, are C3, and it's not a problem. C4 photosynthesis has this, and it's pretty complicated. I, th I think I have a link. I'll put a link in the show notes to this Khan Academy that explains it. But it's essentially this improvement where it has a second step that eliminates this inefficiency of accidentally processing the wrong molecule. And so C4 plants are, are more efficient at photosynthesis. They, 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 uh, they uh, uh, fix more carbon than C3 plants. And they're also better in harsher environments like, um, like deserts and stuff like that. And interestingly, corn is probably the most famous C4 plant. And that's why it's such an amazing producer of food is because it actually is more efficient at photosynthesis than other plants. Um, now, CAM photosynthesis, and I would suspect that your plant might be a CAM photosynthesizer, but I can't be positive. Maybe, maybe not. CAM photosynthesis is very common in succulents and other desert plants. And this is a method to, to basically keep water. Um, and and the re how it works is, you know, most plants during the day, they're trying to bring in CO2 through the little pores in their leaves. But water can also escape through those pores. So if you're in a place that's really hot and the sun is beating down on you all the time, while if you're photosynthesizing, you're also probably losing water. So the CAM process basically has a process of being able to uh, store the energy of photosynthesis during the day and then capture the CO2 at night and like oh, process sure. it process it later essentially which is right right cool. right right yeah, yeah that's definitely it's a common thing with any kind of desert succulent or cactus I think yeah. Now, I had never heard of this before. I think there's other plants like this, but I never heard of a plant that, that can do both C4 and CAM. And basically, uh, uh, purslane chooses what it's doing. So in really wow. strong times of drought, it will switch to becoming a CAM plant. But in other times, it will be a C4 plant. So it's got it's got the best of both C, uh, photosynthesis upgrades. It's like a super plant. And there's an article written by... well. Uh, written by Bill Hathaway, but it's on Yale News, and it's about a professor, Erica Edwards at Yale, who is studying this and basically was saying that that purslane may be this super plant that holds the key to drought-resistant crops because it is so drought-resistant. It has wow. these two. So, so yeah, just this little common weed has this like superpower. It's really amazing. Yeah, it must really explain its resilience because it's it's just like oh, I'll do whatever. I can, yeah, I can shapeshift. 
Yeah, and like a lot of those succulents, you know, are really good in the desert, but they don't, they won't actually go, grow very well in a place like where I live that has a real winter, right? Oh, no, you have to, you have to make sure they're not like under the rain. Um, yeah, essentially. But, but purslane does fine here and in the desert. And I think it's because it can do that C4 photosynthesis, but also it can do the CAM photosynthesis. Photosynthesis, that's a hard word to say. Um, so yeah, really an amazing plant. I can understand why it's like made its way into the literary canon. <laughs> indeed, indeed. I mean, Thoreau did not know about CAM or C4 photosynthesis, but he realized how, how delicious it was anyway. So my goal is to eat some purslane within the next year or so. And uh, yeah, if you see some out there, yeah, give it a try. I will. Thank you for the tip. Way back on episode seven of Rootbound, I talked about the book Asataria, A Discourse of Salads by John Evelyn Esquire. Uh, and this was the first book about salads. And it explained all about salads and, and all the different ingredients. And I thought uh, here at the end of the show, I would just share with you the audience what Mr. Evelyn has to say about purslane when it comes to salads. He says, purslane, portulaca, especially the golden whilst tender. Next, the seed leaves with the young stalks being eminently moist and cooling, quickens appetite, assuages thirst, and is very profitable for hot and bilious tempers, as well as sanguine and generally entertained in all our salads, mingled with the hotter herbs. Tis likewise familiar eaten alone with oil and vinegar, but with moderation, as having been sometimes found to corrupt the stomach, which being pickled, tis not so apt to do. Some eat it cold, after it has been boiled, which Dr. Muffet would have in wine for nourishment." My guest on this episode of Rootbound was Alyssa Bereznak. Alyssa is a senior staff writer and podcaster at The Ringer. She covers technology, culture, and she also loves plants. You can listen to Alyssa's podcast, This Blew Up, on Spotify. If you like Rootbound and want to help it keep going, you can find out ways to support the podcast at rootboundpodcast.com support. And while you're looking at your phone or whatever, scroll on down to the bottom and leave a rating or review on your podcatcher of choice. Rootbound is hosted by Steve Ellington, who won't stop eating weeds. Music by Christian Kriegeskota. Fake ads by David Lonnie. Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside, but if you can go outside, you could try your hand at growing a rare plant from seed. Or you could just, you know, eat some more weeds. Apples! The fruit for people who hate doctors!